You're listening to the Tenuto Podcast, presented by me, Kevin Lynch. Here we go! Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Tenuto Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and if you like the show, go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Twitter, at Tenuto Podcast, and follow us on Facebook, Tenuto Podcast. Got a great interview today, uh, Peter Perry, he teaches high school band in Rockville, Maryland, and he also is a big music technology buff, loves talking about music technology, um, he actually wrote a couple articles for NAFME, National Association for Music Education, their website, and his latest is using Google Classroom in, in the large ensemble setting. Now, this was extremely relevant to me because my schools recently just moved over to Google, as a lot of schools are. I know the school I was student teaching at in Pennsylvania just moved over to Google. A lot more people are moving over to Google, so I thought I would take the time and just talk a little bit about what I read in the article. Maybe you guys could use this in your own ensembles if you want to read the article yourself. The link is in the description, or you can just type into Google, uh, Google Classroom for the large ensemble. Now, in this article that Perry wrote, he talks about using Google Classroom for so many different things. First off, you can use it for Google Forms, Google Sheets, so anything that you hand out in class. You can also throw it onto Google Classroom, and every student now has a hard copy of any handout, any band newsletters or anything like that it's it's all accessed on the google classroom they don't have to come to you asking for it if they lost it, they can simply go to their classroom page and download it again print it themselves another thing that perry talks about is some google apps that he likes to use in the ensemble like audio tool beautiful audio sauna and soundtrap and these are digital audio editors so you can edit and manipulate the audio presentation on Classroom without taking the physical disk space in your computer. Um, and since the data is on your Google Drive, it's also accessible on multiple devices, no longer tying you down to a desktop or a laptop to do audio editing. So you can teach a lot of different things with this for high school if you want to do audio editing. Uh, you can also put in links to the songs that you're performing, have the students listen to them on there. Really, really helpful stuff. And then lastly, Perry st lays it out step by step with pictures, ways that you can do audio assessments. So having your students send in an audio performance of them playing something if you're doing a playing test, instead of taking the time, uh, exhausting everyone in the ensemble to listen to each and every kid, if they just send it in to you, uh, there's a really organized way to maintain those audio files you can give feedback and give it right back to them in their google classroom uh, so go ahead and check out that article if you're interested in any of those things i was talking about and let's just kick it to the interview with peter perry he gave some great answers and i'm really excited for you guys to hear from him a little introduction perry is a lifelong maryland res resident uh, he's traveled the world teaching and performing music. He's currently in his 20th consecutive year 
as instrumental music director at Richard Montgomery High School in Rockville, Maryland. Um, and at that high school, he conducts chamber orchestra, concert orchestra, pit orchestra, wind ensemble, jazz band, concert band, and marching band. That's a mouthful. Wow, he does so much. Um, these ensembles consistently receive critical acclaim on local, state, and national levels. And then Perry also created and teaches a course in music technology. Like I said, he's a huge advocate for music technology. Uh, and he actually put together the first music technology lab at Richard Montgomery High School, which continues to be a mainstay in the school's music department. He also helped author Montgomery County Public Schools curriculum for high school music technology. So here we go. This is our interview with Peter Perry. All right, so we've got Peter Perry here. He's a high school band director in Rockville, Maryland. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Peter. No problem. So my first question, could you just tell me a little bit about your journey to where you are now as a teacher and maybe talk a little bit about your program? Sure. Well, let's see. Uh, I think when I was in seventh grade, I decided that I I really wanted to become a a music teacher, a band teacher. Uh, I'm a trumpet player and um, had done... uh, band camp and things like that through, but, but, but about seventh grade, it really kicked in that I want to do this. So I started, you know, doing all these different things that uh, helped prepare me to do what I was going to do. Ended up going to the university of Maryland um, for, for my undergrad uh, in music education, studied trumpet and conducting and all those things. And Mm -hmm. right after um, I graduated, I was offered, had two job offers because that was before we had uh, a teacher shortage. And um, one of them was at Richard Montgomery High School here in Rockville, Maryland. And that was 21 years ago. And it's, I've been there ever since. So wow. um, it's the first first gig I, I, I've ever had and the only gig I've ever had. And I'm proud to be there. Um, uh, we have... Uh, Two uh, concert bands, two orchestras, jazz ensemble. I teach music technology. Um, I also do the marching band and the pit orchestra. Um, and so, uh, you know, we've been able to do some neat things over the years. So, yeah, that's, you know, sort of in a nutshell. You know, yeah. And There's a lot to be said about someone who stays in the same place for a number of years, who, who doesn't leave. And I, I really respect that. I think that's that's really admirable. Um, what has made you want to stay for so long? The area, the school? Well, uh, it's, it's, uh, I'll, I'll be very honest and probably, uh, admittedly a little mushy. It's one of the best places on earth. Um, <laughs> uh, especially, you know, in, in the state of affairs, our, our world currently is, um, to be able to go to work where you have, uh, kids and colleagues that are not, you know, genuinely, kind to each other and you know yeah. to be in a place that supports what you do you know the, you know i've been very very lucky to have supportive uh, administration supportive parents uh kids who you know, legitimately want to be there and come in every day and make music uh be able to have ensembles that can play some really you know fantastic pieces of literature that pushes you every day to do your best so, yeah. so you can 
do justice for the music. Um, it's a, you know, like I said, it's been, been a really uh, a pleasure to be there. And then being there long enough, you can sort of, you know, create your own uh, thiefdom or fiefdom, that is. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been able, you know, the, the building that I started in 21 years ago is not the same building we're in now. So I was able to have a hand in designing my own, um, you know, the instrumental part of the building. And like I said, we were able to build a, a music technology suite in there. So like I said, you know, you're there long enough and in a fertile environment, you can, and you want to be there, you, you find ways to do things and make things the way you want it. Yeah. Yeah. And you were talking a little bit about music technology. The reason I found you and asked you to come on the show was I saw this article you wrote about music technology. And one of my best friends actually went through you in high school. He talked to me so much about how great of a teacher you were and how into music technology you are. You've become such a large advocate for it. Can you talk about what experiences led you to becoming such a large advocate for music technology? When I first started playing the trumpet in fifth grade, or fourth grade, that is, um, my, my parents, or neither one, you know, had any kind of formal music training. They were very, very supportive of my music education. But, you know, when it came down to learning about notes and rhythms and reading music, um, you know, uh, they did their best, but they couldn't, you know, really help me a whole lot. But one of the things they did do, though, is... Um, we were able, you know, and I'm old, so uh, it, it was unusual to have a computer in your house. And so we, we had, we actually were fortunate to have a computer in, in, in the house because that's what my, my, my father, you know, what, what his uh, work did. Um, and I learned to start programming it in uh, a language called BASIC and BASIC A, which is a real simple kind of binary language. But, you know, you could... You know, for, for a kid that age, you could do things like program, uh, you know, little games and tunes and things like that. But one of the things I figured out how to do is how to, you know, program, you know, sheet music into into the computer and have it play back to me. And, you know, you'd have sort of instant gratification there. But one of the things I started doing is programming my little, um, you know, trumpet exercises into into there to have it model it and play it back and sort of use that you know as uh, as a probably a crutch but um more more so you know a learning tool but you know that really got me hooked on you know um, using the, the music technology and then midi became more accessible you know commercially and you know then you could play things through the midi keyboard and you know so, right. so i'm obviously very very much dating myself but uh, but with that said, you know I, I got in sort of at the, the the ground level when all that stuff started really taking place, and uh, you know uh, you used Finale and some notation programs that were you know there earlier. Um, got in uh, using uh, you know digital audio workstations when there were still sequencers, and um, you, you weren't you know we didn't quite have the ability to use um, and manipulate audio as much. Um, but all of that really always, you know, for me at least, you know, kind of lived um, in the same world as, you know, learning to play the trumpet and learning to, to do music and things like that. Yeah. So uh, so for me, it was always natural that those two things should live together. And then, you know, the longer I was in the music 
education world and the music world, you find out what Luddites our colleagues are and what our profession is. But with that said, you know, nowadays, for example, there's not a single piece of audio that you don't hear that isn't somehow touched by Pro Tools. Right. Uh-oh. So it is very much an important part of what music is, but, you know, not so much in the educational community. Mm-hmm. So, um, and especially as an ensemble director, you, know, you sort of see that, you know, and as, as I worked on my master's, actually, you know, spent my doctorate you know, writing my dissertation on using smart music to enhance uh, performance skills in, in high school students. Uh, how, how do you use that tool in what we do? Because a lot of our methodology, a lot of our pedagogy is still about as old as, you know, band directing and orchestra directing and choral directing is itself. So right. um, when, when a principal, for example, walks around the school and sees the, the math class using Chromebooks and English classes using Google Classroom and things like that, uh, and then goes by the band room and see, or the chorus room and sees, you know, people still teaching the way we used to back when... Um, when they first brought uh, ensembles into to school, I think it's you know advantageous for us to to, to get get with the program and you know try to include some of those tools in it because you know once you do that, then you also find out that you can facilitate your time better. You can use you know your time wisely. Yeah. One of the things I tell student teachers and you know music ed students is that you know it's about a sixty forty percent ratio you you have 40 percent is is your music is what you put to to prepare music conduct music and all of that but in order for that 40 percent to exist you have to have that 60 percent of everything else the grading the attendance the emails yeah yeah that's something that i'm finding just in my first year that it's i thought it was like 90 percent music and 10 percent other stuff but there's so much other stuff that keeps you from just teaching music that yeah if you can have a secretary that's great but <laughs> you know only don't aren't aren't able to do that yeah um so it's all and it's a battle mm-hmm. you know and one of the things i found that, and you would hope that maybe you could flip the that ratio but i i've never met anybody who doesn't have a you know secretary or assistant or you know any kind of real big assistance that way you know, if it's just you and you're trying to do everything correctly so you can do that 40% correctly, um, and that means prepare everything, make sure you have instruments that are functioning and working and you've purchased everything that you need, you've paid those people who you've purchased that stuff from, um, that's where technology can really step in and help you organize, you know, what you're doing or organize your workflow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that's, again, you know, that's one aspect of it. And then, um, then the other part is, you know, how can we authentically use technology in what we do? Meaning authentically as far as it, technology isn't something you're, 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 you're using to, to uh, make up a part for, for a rehearsal. Or it's not um, something that you use to type up a worksheet. It's actual part of the instruction. So that you, you can get right. into Things like smart music. Yes. Yeah. Music first has a bunch, and mm-hmm. and with the uh, the web based things that are out there now, that starts 
being very, very accessible to our very non-traditional classroom, because our classroom is very different from an English or math classroom where you can sit, you know, in rows and the teacher's in front, and if you want to you know, interact digitally, you know, say on Chromebooks or something like that, that's a pretty easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. But um, with with our ensemble, our number one, hopefully our number one uh, thing that we, we want to focus on is music making. Mm-hmm. And and it should never be uh, eclipsed by the technology, but at the same time, you know, how can we use technology to really enhance what we're doing? Right. Know? So right. use using technology, for example, to do performance assessments, using technology to you know, record the ensemble to provide uh, you know, an example of what you know, the, the group is doing you right. know, um, and, and you know, play models, you know, using Spotify and things like that to, 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 to play multiple recordings of a piece that you're doing. Yeah. And things are advancing so quickly. I mean, you're talking about smart music. I think smart music is so great. Because you can use it in the classroom, you can use it at home, and you can still listen to other parts. I'm, I'm a real big advocate for smart music. What, what do you think about this quote that I heard one of the music teachers I work with say? She said, in about 20 years, there will be no more folders and every kid's going to be using an iPad. Do you think that's possible? Well, um, possible. Uh, again, um we do have to understand that that our school is, you know, in, you know, in fact, sort of a microcosm of our community, and you know, the the fact that technology is where it is in our classroom is because technology is where it is in our lives. Right. You know, it's yeah. We're able to, you know, have this conversation now digitally and remotely, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because of technology, and um obviously you know some of that has to do with people's um you know socioeconomic you know um situation you know but uh one of the um i think neatest things that you know and resources that we can tap into now is the the fact that kids have you know those cell phones with them exactly and and, and things you know and the apps that you can utilize on those um, can be a very, very effective tool. Yeah, I think you can change around, you know, some of the things that we've been doing for years. You know, again, our methodology and our pedagogy hasn't changed a whole lot because a lot of it works, you know, and, and I'm not here to, to bust on it, but mm-hmm. I do think, you know, we can, we can change things up a little and make, make, because the other part is this, is that while the methodology and pedagogy hasn't really changed as much, uh, our job has changed, you know, in, in many different crazy ways. And uh, that's one of the things technology can be a, be a tool. And that's, you know, as far as being an advocate for technology, you know, my advocate, um, what I advocate is, you know, that it's a tool. And you use a tool just like you would a hammer or a pair of scissors or, you know, a car. Um, and you find out the best usage of that tool and how you can most effectively use it to make music you right. know, and teach kids music. And, and, and that's the other thing. Our, our students have changed. There, there's some that would label our, our, our kids nowadays as digital natives. My, my, my six-year-old can get, get on, on, on the iPad and whiz through it, no, no problem. Yeah. Can he... Um, use it to understand, you know, you know, 
the the beginning parts of his reading that he's doing yes but but with some some facilitation so so again that's where our jobs as teachers continue to, to still be locked in because you know we help our students use the tool yeah for sure is there one app that you think every music teacher should be using with their students if there's one app that you could advocate for what would it be uh, actually, I found a very, very cool new tuner app, well, and that's the first thing is I would advocate that every, you know, uh, music teacher, you know, gets on their kids to have a tuner and a metronome app. With tuner and, and metronome apps, and there's so many out there, both, you know, apps that you can get on the, um, the app store, uh, iTunes store, yeah. you know, so many of them are free, you know, not having that, those tools at your disposal is you know no longer an excuse. So, um, but I did find a cool app um, called Tonal Energy, okay. which is um, which is a, a really cool tuner, and it, it really kind of digs a little deeper and in, in to understanding how pitch and and uh, tuning chords and, and all those things can work work together. So that's the the new app that I. I I just found and I'm, I'll push around. Yeah, tonal energy. I have that one too, actually. I just I just got an iPad and uh, I've been using that one a lot on there and on my phone. Works well. Use it a lot in in class. Real quick, I want to talk to you a little bit about this Japan Fulbright Fellowship that you participated in. Uh, so, did you actually go over to Japan and learn from Japanese music teachers? Yes. Yes, I spent wow. uh, about. A month in Japan. Um, I would li- literally, without overstating it, um, s- say that it was life changing. Um, it was uh, now sadly that the I w- well before I get anybody's hopes up, you know, the program uh, finished in 2008. But uh, the, the J- Japan Fulbright Memorial Fund was set up by the Japanese government as a th- thank you um, to the United States for the Fulbright. Program you know, created by Senator Fulbright, who um, basically encouraged education around the world and you know uh, cross-cultural education. So, like I said, this was set up, um, and it was really only meant to, to last a year, and it lasted I want to say eight years or something like that. But it was uh, you know you 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 apply for it, and it took two. Uh, you know they went. I want to say they went. Two or three times a, 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 a year, two times a year, um, with about two, two, uh, two to four teachers per state, and um, I think there was a fall cycle and a spring cycle. And what you did is spend part of the time in Tokyo and learned about the Japanese education system, and went to um, conferences and got to uh, you know better understand the culture, and then you went to actual actual prefecture in, in, in Japan and actually, ha, you know, spent time in a, a elementary school, a junior high school, a high school, some time in, in one of the, the colleges. Wow. And really saw what what the, the, the school was about and what education's about. You got, um, uh, there was a, a couple of days that you, you stayed with a, with a, a homestay at a, at a Japanese family's house. Uh, night, I think we, we spent in a traditional a ryokan, which is a traditional Japanese um, uh, hotel with the tatami mats and the. Wow, uh, that's amazing. 
It was very, very cool. And then we go back to Tokyo and, and again, you know, kind of unpack all that information. And then um, when you return to the States, you, you kind of put together a, a project you know, that, that kind of encompasses what you did. And I, I took some folk music from the, the areas where I was and um, turned those into pieces that my, my groups played. Wow, that's amazing. So, so it was, like I said, it was very much life-changing. And the fact that, you know, you get out, you know, you get about as far out of your comfort zone, you know, socially and culturally, and um, you really learn about what, uh, you know, other people are about, other cultures are about. You know, the other neat, neat component of that is you, you're, you're in there with, you know, other American teachers from all around the yeah. country. Yeah, yeah. And you sort of see the different views of society and culture and uh, the world that other people have. And um, right. that, was, that was very enlightening. And, you know, like I said, it was it was a heck of a lot of fun, but um, it was also uh, very, very, like I said, enlightening. Yeah. You think maybe after you're, you're done in Rockville, you might head down to Tokyo for a few years? Uh, Teach out there? <laughs> I don't think my 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 my, my wife or son will. Yeah, <laughs> I'm having way too much fun. In, in, uh, yeah, oh, that's awesome. I'm, that sounds like such a great experience, though. All right, um, let me ask you one question that I ask every single one of my guests. If you could rewind, if you could meet yourself when you were 23, 25, what is one thing that you would tell yourself? One piece of advice. Uh Get that medical degree. No, no, no. I'm just <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, be, I believe that when we're starting out, you know, one, one of the, you know, and I, I tell young teachers this, I tell student teachers that I have this, that, you know, your greatest asset is your idealism and your energy and your sort of openness to new things. And, and sometimes, you know, we, you know, probably the same, same, you know, uh, Criticism you can give an uh, even younger version of yourself as you grow up too soon. And there's, there's a lot of aspects of this profession that um, can get people jaded and get people down and stuff. And my advice would be just to, to, to continue to look, always be positive about what you're doing. You know, one of the things, you know, even at that age, I was always trying to see what's the next, within the next five years, what are things that I'd like to do, um, yeah. you know, professionally and, you know, create those kinds of goals. But then also, you know, be, you know, be smart, I guess, about some of those goals. Because I guess when when you're, you know, just starting out, you, you, that idealism does kind of catch up with you and you getting some of those goals, you know, in check would be good. But, but like I said, I think the beginning of your teaching career is such an exciting time in your mm -hmm. teaching Yeah. and that making mistakes, you know, is good. Obviously not, not really horrible mistakes that, that <laughs> ends your tenure at your school, but the mistakes we all make, you know, we beat ourselves up about, and that's probably one of the things I tell myself at 20, four years old, not to beat yourself up too hard about making those mistakes. Don't make them again, but you know, right. not cardinal sin that you just committed. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and that's sort of, sort of, you know, the, 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 what starts happening is you start learning from these mistakes. You start building an understanding of how to do 
this as you. Because when you, you start out also, you, you really, do, you know, probably do your best job of impersonating all the best teachers that you you, you know. And yeah. you learn and, you, you know, that all sort of amalgamates into who you are. And at one point in time, you, you finally can take control of that when you're comfortable enough with both yourself and teaching. And, you know, you, you get comfortable being yourself while you're teaching. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Great answer. Thank you. Um, real quick, before I let you go, uh, mm-hmm. I do this thing with all my guests. This is our last thing. It's called rapid fire. And okay. what it is, is I'm just going to rattle off maybe five questions. And I just want you to tell me the first thing that pops into your head. Sure. All right. Here we go. Okay. So you're a trumpet player, right? Who yep. is your favorite trumpet player to listen to? I did mention that that I, I have. Oh, uh, yikes! Um, <laughs> darn, that, that's a that's a that's a. Right now at um, five thirty p.m. on a Sunday, um, Miles Davis. <laughs> Miles Davis. All right. It, um, it'll change. It'll change in five minutes. <laughs> All right. If you could get a beer with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Um, that's an interesting one too. Darn it, Robert Moog. Robert Moog. Okay. He's a log synthesizer. Interesting. Interesting. If you could put one phrase on a billboard for the whole world to see, what would you put on there? Listen. Listen. All right. Peter Perry, thank you so much for coming on the Tenuto podcast. It was a great interview. I really appreciate having you come on. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And I try to keep these under a half hour because I know as music teachers, we're all super busy. So thank you guys so much for listening to that interview. Peter Perry was fantastic. And I look forward to, uh, to seeing him in the future. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. Go ahead and subscribe. And I'm not going to tell you who we have for next week. Check Facebook and check Twitter. And uh, I'll be posting it on there. So uh, a little shameless plug. If you want to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, go ahead. That's where I'm going to be posting the next interviews. And guys, keep inspiring those kids out there. I mean, you guys are great. So I will talk to you next Tuesday. Have a great week.